0: Hello everyone, this is Living Truth, where we're talking about Bible truth and how we apply it. And if you've been with us on a couple of past broadcasts, we've been talking a little bit about different religions, just comparing different religions to Christianity, what the Bible teaches. If you remember, we talked about Mormonism, and we just talked a little bit about how the Mormons have just kind of fantastical ideas about a lot of things magical thinking about different kinds of things then we talked about the jehovah witnesses and um, we recognize that folks that are believing in these alternative religions are people who are created by god people who are loved by god and people whom god wants in and so we're just trying to find ways to share jesus with each and every person because they're precious people and we meet people in various places in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and we just want to have ways to share. Talking a little bit about Hinduism and Hinduism we probably don't know as many people who would claim to be Hindus as we might people who are Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons. Although a couple of things for myself number one is that Surprisingly, when we take prayer requests on Sunday mornings, we had a prayer request this last Sunday from someone who said, please pray for a friend of ours who is very disturbed by what's going on in India with the COVID issues. And she's a Hindu. And so that's just interesting how God arranges things. And then secondly, I was just thinking a little bit about my own experience with Hinduism. Back when Kathleen and I were about 22 or so, we went out to a training program. We were involved in the training program to reach people who are Muslims for Christ. And that might be something we take up as well and talk about in another broadcast. But I remember in Brooklyn, New York, just walking down the street and seeing this Hindu temple and just how surprised we were with what it looked like with the various gods and goddesses that were right in this little neighborhood in town Brooklyn. And so we have. I have a friend with me whom we're going to call Randy, and Randy has had various experiences, people who are Hindus, and uh, just uh, say hi, Randy. Hello. And uh, so we're glad to have him with us. I'm going to be asking him some questions. And I think what I was saying about people who are... Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses or any other religion that it's really important for us to not be so weirded out by the religious aspects that we forget about the people who are the souls that we wanna share Jesus with. And so, uh, Randy, just tell us a little bit as I know you and I talked about how Hinduism is not your expertise necessarily. But it is something that you know probably more than everybody who's listening to this podcast. So tell us a little bit about your own experience, just where you've uh, met Hindus and your first reactions to trying to understand it and sort it out.
1: Yeah, so we have spent a lot of time in India, where Hinduism is their primary religion. And so we have a lot of friends who are Hindus, and we've seen um, the culture there of the temples and the way that they try to live out their spiritual life and um, yeah so mostly we know it just by getting to know people and then because of the people that we know who are hindus we've also researched it just to try to figure out how to reach them or how to connect with them so that's how we've learned about it so what is hinduism hinduism i would say um the word hindu it's like the religion that comes from the region of india so basically (laughs) hindu means the Indian religion. And that's one thing when we first got to India that was just kind of drawing for us because we're trying to take Jesus to people there. But to them, to be Indian means to be Hindu. Like they're almost the same. Hindu means the religion of Indians. So they would say these are our Indian gods and things like that. So like their race and their nationality is really tied to their um, religion. So when Christianity comes in, it feels really foreign. So that's one kind of barrier to cross that like Christianity's for everybody, not just for one race or something. But then I think at the core of what they believe is there's a God force that's kind of called the Brahman, and that God force is kind of in everything, but it has lots of incarnations, and so those would be all the different gods like Ram or Krishna that people worship, Uh, but then also there's the belief that that God force is inside all of us. And like the ultimate goal of life is to kind of um, see that God inside of yourself and realize that and um, become one with that and that's kind of how you achieve salvation and fulfillment and stuff.
0: So you know when I've been in India like you said there's all different gods and goddesses what why did they worship all those different ones and how do they know which one to go to?
1: Um, India is a super diverse country And so lots of different languages, lots of different races have kind of been smooshed together into the country. And so um, as the culture and society has developed in different places, different people have come up with different gods. And then some of the literature and scriptures uh, just tell the story of different gods. And so I think the reason they came up with so many is because like, when we think of the Christian god, all the things that we believe he does, It takes a lot of faith to believe in a God that can do all of that like takes care of the world and created us and saves us and all that. So in Hinduism, they've kind of divided it up, all the different incarnations. They kind of do different things and oversee different regions and help different people. So um, over time, it's just evolved, and now there's lots and lots and lots of them.
0: Yeah, so like when I've stayed in hotels and things, A lot of times they will have the little god with the elephant head. I think it's because it's tied with economic prosperity or something. Is that right? Or they think it is.
1: Yeah, Yeah. um, that's uh, Ganesh. And I'm actually not sure why, like, what the significant head is. You're right about economic prosperity. But, yeah, in the scriptures.
0: That's when I've been to museums. That's kind of what they've said. So I'm just going by that.
1: Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah. And... uh, so yeah, in the mythology, or to them it's not mythology, it's what they believe, but um, the, sometimes the gods will have relationships with animals and uh, gods will have kids. And it's in some ways similar to like if people are familiar with like the Greek gods from studying that, um, the way that there's just lots of gods and they get married and they have other children that are gods or like half gods or servants of the gods that are at a really high level. So yeah. Um,
0: and it seems like perhaps depending on a person's education level, they might take these gods and goddesses more seriously or just see them as fables that teach good lessons. But people that maybe not be as educated, they might have a more literal, imaginative view of these gods
1: and goddesses. Is that kind of right? Definitely. There'd be a a wide range of what people deep down in their heart believe. Um, I'd say the older people are, the more they're likely to believe in the like traditional incarnations and stuff. But yeah, someone might call themselves a Hindu and they might not actually believe that um, there was an actual elephant head God, but they would still believe in the God force that's in everything. And like you said, it's like a fable to learn about how to live life better and stuff.
0: So how is the God force in everything? How is that different from what we believe when we say Christ in you, the spirit of God fills us?
1: Yeah, well, I think the biggest difference is that Christ in us is still a separate being. So it's, I'm not God. (laughs) I can't become God. I will never become like a part of God. Um, Jesus is in me, in my spirit, in my heart, empowering me, helping me, loving me. But he's a separate being. He's helping me. Um, I am not God. So I'd say that's the difference. And also... um, I would say even though we believe God is everywhere and sometimes, like the Bible says, in all things even, but like even though God has created everything and is a part of everything, like um, the person is not God, the cow is not God, the tree is not God. So yeah, the God, he's everywhere, but he's some places in a really special way. It's like when he's inside of our hearts. Um, That's something that's pretty special. He's not in other creatures that same way. He specifically comes inside our hearts as believers to help us.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and one of the ways that I put it, in fact, I had this very question back about a month ago when I was preaching and talking about the Spirit of God within us, the Spirit of God filling us, and a woman came up and started talking to me about this, and and she said, Well, what's the difference between the Spirit filling us and Christ in you? And I said, I think one of the things that helps is if we think of rational terms, not literal terms like water filling a cup, even though that's where our minds go. What we're really talking about is, is the way the Spirit of God counsels us and comforts us and exhorts us, the way that Christ intercedes for us. And so I think that helps to understand, distinguish what we mean as well.
1: I think definitely, like... Um, the spirit inside of us, it's like having your best friend who's also really, really powerful inside your mind, so can read your thoughts and um, he can also influence your thoughts. Yes. And then, even deeper than that, he's in our heart, which is harder to understand, but kind of similar to how he's in our mind as well. Yeah.
0: So, one of the terms that sometimes are used by people, it's probably the thing that people in the United States know the most, is the word karma. And something bad happens and somebody will say, that must be karma. Or if they want something bad to happen to somebody, they'll say, karma is going to get you. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, so karma is a belief that um, everything you do um, comes back around to you. So if you do something bad, then something bad is going to happen to you. If you do something good, uh, something good is going to happen to you. That's the simple version of it.
0: Yeah, and... Again, how's that different than what we believe?
1: It, I mean, in some ways it's similar, like the Bible says you reap what you sow, mm. um, but I think for the most part in Hinduism there isn't the concept of, for a Hindu, you do something bad and something bad happens to you. For a Christian, that's also kind of there. We sin and we're supposed to be punished for that, but we have Christ who is able to step in and take our punishment for us. Amen. So in a sense like we don't get all that karma on us because Jesus took all of the all of the punishment for us So I would say that's the main difference
0: amen and that's eternally true and even on a daily basis when we read over in 2nd Corinthians 12 the Apostle Paul says my grace is sufficient for you we experience that on a daily basis if we really start to dwell on our sinfulness and we think about man if it was karma I'm in a heap of trouble but God's grace is greater than all of our sin, and God intervenes for us and carries us through, and so while it is true that we reap what we sow, so often we don't because of how good God is.
1: Yeah, I think the more that we learn about ourselves and about what is right, and we like honestly look at those things, I think the more we see how evil we are and how bad our sin is, and so it's awesome that we have Christ to um, remove that from us, but I think for someone who believes in karma um, to just really honestly examine life and what is right and what is wrong, and to examine how much we do what's right and wrong, I think it becomes more and more depressing (laughs) because you, I don't know, as you get more wise you realize how big your mistakes are, and if there's nobody to pay for that, then you know all those bad things are gonna come back on your head yeah so do Hindus worship cows so uh, generally I would say uh, like the pure answer would be no (laughs) Um, Hindus are like cows are sacred for Hindus so they respect them Um, they hold them in very high regard because they are the provider and they're kind of a symbol of um, how life carries on and how we are all provided for it's like they give milk and they give urine and dung for fuel and also religious purposes. Um, so generally, they wouldn't be worshipped, they would just be highly, highly um, esteemed and valued and sacred. So, people so they think
0: they have more of a force, a higher force? Yeah, no, there's but, definitely a yeah. high
1: level of spiritual force surrounding the yeah. cows and the, what comes from a cow. And so some people would worship them. Yeah. So there's a lot of perception everywhere that Hindus worship cows. If you talk to an average Hindu, especially a more educated Westernized yeah. person, they say, "No, Hindus don't worship cows." So anyway, um, some people, some of them do, some of them don't. Gotcha. But all Hindus would highly, highly esteem a cow, and uh, probably not kill it, not eat beef. Yeah, yeah.
0: So generally, they're vegetarians. But is that always true? Totally vegetarian? Or um, not? I
1: would say it's not as common as people think. Okay. So um in hinduism there's not really rules which is one of the things that makes it hard to figure out what do hindus believe because there isn't like a universal rule where everyone has to do this or everyone has to do that so generally being a vegetarian is looked at as a positive thing because you're not causing harm to another creature so some castes would be completely um, vegetarian So if you want to, for someone who's born into that caste, if they were to eat meat, it would be big shame on their family and Mm -hmm. on their community. Other castes, they kind of have more of a choice if they want to eat meat or not. um, Vegetarian, to not cause harm to another creature, but not necessarily a requirement for everyone.
0: So, castes are kind of controversial, and you know, I read that there aren't castes over in India anymore. But then you're talking about castes, and what's the reality with that?
1: Um, so uh, the caste system is definitely kind of embedded into the history of India. And so the there's different views about where it came from, but one idea is that uh, they believe that uh, when God created people, the different castes were made from the different parts of God, so like the lowest People were made from his feet and then as it goes up, um, like the warriors were made from his arms and then the priests and rulers were made from his head or something like that. So just by the nature of how that race was created originally, they have a certain amount of value because um, if they were created from the feet, that race is not very valuable and they have to do menial work and things like that. Um, But if they're created from the head, uh, then they would have a lot of value and a lot of responsibility and things like that. So that's kind of the tradition, and um, those kind of things are in the Hindu scriptures, but um, as India has developed as a country, they've seen the evil that's caused by that of viewing certain people as less than others. So now in India, like according to the government, to discriminate based on caste is illegal. So they, they even do things to try to elevate the lower castes, um, similar to like, uh, affirmative action in America, where certain groups are, you know, yeah. get benefits in mm-hmm. college or jobs or something. But even though, I don't know, in some ways the government is doing that for a lot of people, like they're just the way they think and the way they act and the way they implement systems, um, those lower castes are still often oppressed or there's prejudice against them or the people who are higher are just very proud. <laughs> Um, so when we got a house in India, our landlord, one of the first things he said to us is like, I'm a Brahmin, so that means I'm a good person. I'm a high caste. You can trust me. You can respect me. Um, but it wasn't because, you know, he had done anything nice. You're just like, because this is my race. That means I'm a good person. And so, yeah, the attitude is still there. And um, depending on who you talk to in India, some people would still hold the caste system really like close to their heart, especially when people are getting married. It's still very prevalent Mm. in a lot of communities. If you get married outside of the caste or do that wrongly, people might get killed or Mm. just a lot of shame on their family and stuff. Mm. So it's still there, even though it's technically illegal from the government's point of view.
0: Well, there's been big spiritual movements of people coming from Hinduism to Jesus, like and some of what would be quoted, the quote, quote the lower cast, like the
1: Dalits, I think is how you pronounce it, D-A-L-I-T. Mm-hmm. Untouchables. Is that too. right? Yeah, Untouchables.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense because in in one system, if you're regarded as nothing and um, very, very low value, um, if loves everybody. And Amen. Jesus cares for you and wants to elevate you and give you opportunity. You know the truth. The
0: truth will set you free, yes. Yeah,
1: so once you kind of have your eyes open to that or even, I don't know, it's a lot easier to open your eyes to that when you're so oppressed under the old system. Whereas someone who is really privileged in the old system, it's more beneficial to them in some ways to believe Hinduism. Even if it's not true, they have a lot of advantages under that system. So it's harder for a higher caste person to come to Christ even though I can
0: think of just off the top of my head at least three people from a Brahmin background that have come to know Jesus. And I think at least one of them we know uh, mutually. And so one of them was a son of a priest and another one was a young woman whose dad was high among the Brahmins. And then the third one, like I say, that we know together. And so how, how does all that happen? How does somebody who's very privileged, how do they come to know Jesus as Savior out of Hinduism?
1: Yeah, I'm sure everyone has a different experience and different things that impact them. But um, as people have become more educated and also just, I think people are, have grown in their compassion, even people of higher caste see that it's not right to treat a certain group of people as less. Um, and so if they're in a Brahmin family and their whole family is really mistreating a lower caste of people, But their heart is more compassionate and they see a group of Christians just, you know, taking care of those who are oppressed and feeding them or adopting orphans or um, just sacrificing to help those people. I think that really impacts them. And it's like, oh, why is my system um, having all this prejudice and this other system is really loving all people? Maybe I should um, find out more about that. And they might be really interested in that way. So,
0: do you have any particular testimonies, any particular stories that have really stood out to you as far as people you've seen come from Hinduism to know Jesus as Savior, or any stories you've heard? We won't go through the whole long story, but maybe one that's especially struck you?
1: Um, So the the closest person that we were connected with that uh, came to Christ uh, was a girl, and she, was um, an orphan, and so one. One reason that that made it easier for her to come to Christ is because there's so much family pressure to stay in Hinduism, and um, family is just so important in the Indian culture and in Hinduism. It's like the most important thing, and they live in a joint family. So a young person would be living with their grandparents, and their parents, and the pressure to stay in that religion. Um, Is really high and Mm. so they'll do different festivals different rituals and if you don't engage in those with your family It's like you're bringing a curse bringing trouble on the household bringing trouble on the family and Mm. as a young Indian person That's like the last thing you want to do because you love your family so much. We are um, friends with um, She's an orphan and she was spending some time as a young adult like maybe 20 years old in a Christian orphanage Um, So she was away from her family pressure and just had lots of Christians in her life to be able to share different elements of truth with her at different times and to just care for her, for her to see that um, she's valued, that she's loved. And yeah, over time, Mm. she put her faith in Christ and has been baptized. And um, she kind of graduated from the orphanage and now she is... um, working as a nurse and she yes. kind of takes care of a couple other girls that live with her and um, she's just trying to navigate what it what it means to be a Christian and how to live as an adult and take care of other people. So yeah, Great. Um, it's been cool to see her life. Yeah.
0: So do Hindus have sacred writings that they refer to? Like we have our Bible. Do they have anything like that? Yeah,
1: the Vedas would be um, like their scriptures. There are others also. So yeah, um, there are lots of different writings, and sometimes it becomes controversial, like which writings should be honored or which ones elevated over others. But, yeah, um, so, like, they in their scriptures, they have big epics sometimes. So, like— um,
0: Are these, like, stories where the gods and goddesses are described? Yeah, big no.
1: stories where the, there will be, like, a battle, and I think his name is Arjun, the one that uh, interacts with Krishna— and they're just kind of talking back and forth in the middle of this big battle, but through the things that Krishna tells him, that's how they learn a lot about who Krishna is. But there's a lot of like wisdom and life advice wrapped into that. Uh, but there's like so many other scriptures and um, instructions about how to do different things and how to meditate and how to um, attain like realization that you are God and all those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. I know one of the things I think I've talked with you about is that they have a lot of holidays and things, and so they don't have a, a day where they necessarily go to the temple. It's like just big holiday events. And things.
1: Yeah, they have tons of festivals, and it's a huge part of the community. So um, whenever there's a festival, um, depending on what festival it is, some of them are more family-focused, but some of them, the whole neighborhood will just get together and um, do their worship but then there's lots of other activities that go along with it kind of like Christmas (laughs) like there's worship of Jesus but then there's lots of other things like Christmas trees and stuff so um when you guys
0: do some of those family activities yeah not associated with the worship part
1: yeah but it's it's hard to know which ones to engage in yes and which ones um we feel would be wrong either because, like, we definitely don't want to worship an idol um, or worship a a god that's not the true god. We also don't want to, like, um, give them the impression that um, we are, like, approving of the worshiping of other gods or approving of a belief in multiple gods. So, yeah, it's hard to know which things to do sometimes, but some of the things we have engaged in is, like, for holy, they throw the colored powder, so holy is, like, their... Springtime harvest festival. Um, it there are a lot of worshiping of um, things that are not the true God that go along with holy, but also um, just as a fun thing, they'll take but, but not powder. holy
0: h o l y no, but holy h o l i yes, which is different yes, yeah. completely
1: different. So yeah, um, h o l i. And one of the things they do is they just throw colored powder on it. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's seen that.
0: They, I'm sure they've seen it. I've done it, um, I think a couple times.
1: Yeah, so it's really good to, I don't know, find those things that you can to to engage in the culture. Um, but it's really hard sometimes. People will on a temple ground. Some Christians will go to that. Um, they'll choose to just go to that. I a long, long time ago, and it made me says anymore. But uh, because then when you don't go, yes. it, um, it does hinder your relationship with those people. It's like, oh, you're inviting me to church. Why won't you come to my spiritual location and interact with us there? And it's hard to explain. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I know I've been there during the Diwali festival where they have all sorts of fireworks. And one time a firework went off and it actually shook our whole hotel. Yeah. It was so <laughs> loud. And I know a part of that is spiritual because they think they're scaring away evil spirits, I guess would be the roughest way to say it. Is that and, right? And yeah. the
1: light, too, is big. So yeah. um, Diwali, like the main point of Diwali is the triumph of light over darkness. Okay. So they have a, a story of their Hindu god, Ram, that um, triumphed over darkness. And then when he came home, people lit lanterns for him as a way to celebrate that. And so fireworks yeah there's the noise that scares away evil things but also the light that uh, just scares away the darkness so we also we we used to engage in the fireworks but now the pollution is so bad that uh, we abstain for a different reason not a spiritual reason but just to be good caretaker of the environment yes <laughs> I I
0: like visiting India but hopefully not during Diwali again we'll, we'll see what happens in the future yeah yeah so Yoga is probably, karma is one of the terms that people in the U.S. know. The other one is probably yoga. Is there a spiritual element to yoga? I mean, this is probably controversial. Because, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, a lot of, I mean, every Christian has heard of yoga, probably seen it or interacted with it in some way. So... A
0: lot of people have probably done
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. And so lots of Christians, they already have opinions, or and yeah. I'm, everyone has a different opinion about yes. it. Yes. So... Um, what was your question? So I just wondered,
0: uh, how do we handle that? Any thoughts on that controversy? <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I guess I'll just tell you where I'm
0: at. Sure, sure. Is if people do the exercises and they're not chanting, if they're not using ideology, ideation that is somehow in a direction that's Hinduistic, it's fine as an exercise, but there are just things that could go beyond the exercise that It would depend on who's leading the class. It would depend on what you're doing with the information. That's where I'm at.
1: Yeah, my answer would be super similar. Yeah. As an exercise, and it is something that um, the Indian um, race or country has discovered, um, that those exercises are very healthy. And um, it was discovered in the middle of Hinduism as well. So a lot of things are like this with India because Hinduism is just weaved into everything. It's a Hindu type of Mm -hmm. exercise. The way they eat is Hindu. The way they dress is Hindu. So yeah, those exercises are good. I think that um, there's definitely nothing wrong with engaging in them as purely exercise. But if, yeah, people who are in group classes, it's really important to be careful because um, I think that a lot of the Hindu spirituality has come into American life and mindset in yoga or in lots of ways um just the idea that um yeah we're all kind of connected spiritually May the force be with you yeah the whole star wars star idea. wars yeah it's based yeah. on that kind of stuff and so um whenever a yoga teacher or something starts kind of going into anything like philosophy or spirituality or things like that. Yeah, I would step away from that class or yeah. choose not. And to Star engage. Wars is one
0: of my favorite movies series. Yeah. And so you know. So as yeah. a movie,
1: you could watch it. Or yeah. But um, when you're doing yoga, you're actively engaged right. as a participant. So yeah, if it gets spiritual at all or even philosophical, I would remove myself from that class. Unless um, so I've never like been in one of these, but churches have done Christian yoga. Yeah. And I think that could be good actually because the way that Hindus have mixed spirituality and exercise um, Christians should do that more anyway like I'm sure a lot of people pray when they exercise I don't know if calling it yoga is the best idea but as long as if they're replacing the Hindu spirituality with praying to Jesus or meditating on Bible verses I think that's healthy and beneficial
0: for sure so if someone wanted to go to India to experience be a help in helping people from a Hindu background come to know Jesus
1: what would you recommend? Yeah I think we always invite people to come even if they're just slightly interested just come and see what it's like um, I'll
0: be glad to connect you Yeah yeah Randy who's not really Randy but uh, <laughs> we'd love to get you get connected together. Yeah, yeah we love
1: to have people visit if nothing else, just coming and interacting with the people. It just stirs up your heart. So you pray for the country of India um, just to see just how little access the average person in India has to the gospel. It's just really jarring when you grow up in America, especially a place in America where there's lots of churches, and then you go to India and it's, you know, Hinduism is everywhere. You might see a little bit of Islam in some places, but yeah, the access to the gospel is just so little. And then the poverty is so extreme. And then, yeah, sometimes we'll show people some of the like people rescued from trafficking or the places where trafficking happens. And just seeing those things are really, really impactful. And, then, and I think
0: important. I think, yeah, every, I think everybody like, should go, really. Yeah,
1: it's the reality of what's going on in the world. So yes. in America, it's just even if you read about it on the news or something, it doesn't feel real. But when you go and you see that that's real people's lives, like, Um, kneeling down and worshiping an idol and basing their whole life on I hope Krishna is going to take care of me and um, as we know for eternity that he's not (laughs) yeah
0: so if you're listening today I know you might think that you couldn't do that or it would be hard to do it yeah it might be hard to do it but I'm serious I, I think at some point in your life you should go to another culture and India would be an important place to go to
1: And so um, when people come back, it just helps them pray for India, pray for the people there, have a heart that just, um, yeah, goes out to people who are lost. I think it helps people do outreach here as well. They're just more, their heart is stirred up for the lost, and they're motivated to do something, motivated to pray, Um, but also... Um, whatever skills people have, usually we can put them to use in India too, in some way, business or preaching or just um, doing like a VBS with kids or something. So yeah, there's usually kind of a double purpose when people come. For sure.
0: Yeah. If I know somebody from a Hindu background here in the US, what would you say would be a good way to be able to reach out to them and share Jesus with them?
1: Yeah, I think um, just getting to know them Like, I think often uh, that's important to share the gospel with someone. Like, sometimes if you don't know someone, you can share the gospel with them, but it's much more effective when you have a deep relationship with someone, and especially with um, a Hindu, because to them, like I said, to be Indian means to be Hindu. So for them to become a Christian, um, it feels like they're betraying their country, betraying their race, and so to just do that because they read a piece of paper, like a tract somewhere. And it happens once in a while, but it's not very common. So it really takes someone who really loves them, cares for them. And I think showing love for their family also Mm. is really important. I think American culture is generally very individualistic, but for an average Hindu, their family is just so important. So if you can show them that you care about them, you care about their family, and show them that jesus is someone who could help them and their family so um hindus are usually okay with trying different religions in a small way because um, hinduism is not kind of exclusive like christianity is so um they might let you sit with them and pray in jesus name for them for something and if jesus answers that prayer that might be a step towards them starting to trust in jesus or um yeah they might come visit church at some point, so they might engage in little small ways. But especially praying in the name of Jesus, it happens a lot in India. Um,
0: they just add on to the other ten thousand gods or goddesses.
1: Yeah, but then when them. you especially say for this specific issue, like maybe you've prayed for the Hindu god, prayed to the Hindu gods for this thing, and it's not working, sit down and pray in the name of Jesus, and then that thing is answered. Um, That's a big way that in India, lots of times, people will come to Christ that way. Um, That doesn't always work, though, because Jesus doesn't always give us exactly what we ask for. He
0: answers in lots of different ways. (laughs) But,
1: uh, yeah, just showing them love and showing them Jesus' power through answered prayers, but also, like, with your testimony to show the power of how Jesus has changed your life, because Hindus really value you know, living a good life and being kind to people and um, having a healthy mindset. So if you can um, show them how Jesus has done that in your life, that's another evidence of Jesus' power that they can see, um, and it might be very appealing to them.
0: Yeah. Well, great. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. It's been a really good conversation just for us to think about other ways that people think about how they worship, and to remember the importance of praying for these dear people, and um, just to be aware of different ideas and influences within the U.S. and around the world, and just be able to pray. I hope this helps each of us to be able to pray better, a little little bit better, a little bit more. And so we're gonna wrap it up, and uh, thanks a lot for being with us, and um, that's all for today. Thanks for having me, Tom. I really enjoyed it. Great. Same here.